We all want to be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Welcome back to the Positively Real Podcast. I'm your host and your coach, Brittany King. How are we feeling today, my friends? I have a very special episode with a very special guest for you today. And I always like to share how and why I have a guest on the show. So we'll just start with our origin story. I met Dupon at Lululemon. Of course, I feel like all of my guests, like there's some sort of connection with Lululemon, but I had, I guess it was, I guess it was like a workshop type event, but I had been asked to give a workshop at the Lululemon Gilbert pop-up and he was there looking just, you just had this like look about you. I remember what you were wearing. Like it was like this long coat that like could have been a trench coat. I don't really know what it was, but you just looked so good and stylish. I was like, I'm going to be friends with him. And then we started chatting and found out that you were a dancer and that you had taken spin class before. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're definitely going to be friends. And then that's how our relationship evolved through Lululemon was a starting point. And then now we, um, now you take my spin class and I get to see you weekly and it's so amazing. So I'm just so excited to have you on the show today. I'm so excited. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's our origin story. Like literally, I don't know if you know that, but when, when I was giving the talk, I was like, who is this guy? He is so cool. And then I found out all the things about you and it all made sense of why I was like, so attracted to your energy. So so glad that we get to chat today. I've wanted to have you on the show for quite some time and stars align and we were able to connect today. So why don't you give a little introduction of who you are and then we'll get into it. Who I am. What a <laughs> I know. It's such a big question. I know. And there's so many different intersections of like who I am. So it's, I find it hard often to to talk about myself but I I'm a native of Arizona but you know little little boy in a small suburb had dreams to be in a big city and so I spent some time um, dancing after um, my undergrad in New York City and I feel like that um, experience really shaped me into the person that I am today who's like more comfortable and his uh, queer body and like queer experience and a black queer experience as well. So yeah, I'm just living, I'm just living my life (laughs) right now. That's who I am. (laughs) I love it. And honestly, you know, to, uh, (laughs) you get like when, when I get to interact with you, especially when I see you in a spin class, like you do, you just like show up authentically as yourself. And so for you to introduce yourself of like, I'm just living my life is a beautiful representation of like what I see. So I'm really excited to have you on the show and thank you for taking the time to be here because at the studio, we're actually doing a spirit week and in honor, in honor of pride month. (laughs) Did you just find that out? (laughs) Well, well, we're, I'm, I, I guess I should probably say I work for Lululemon and obviously that's how I met Brittany, but we're doing a spirit week next week as well for pride. So I think, Amazing. This is meant to be. It's meant to be. Yeah, we're kicking off Spirit Week tomorrow, and we are 
doing so by having tons of different theme classes, but the week is really to celebrate just the whole entire community, but specifically LGBT. L-G-B-T-Q plus. It's an acronym. I can't have a hard time speaking it. So we're going to go ahead and just shorten it to Q plus. And I know that we're going to get into that. Um, But we're doing the Spirit Week in honor of Pride Month. And I just felt this um, like intuitive hit to reach out to you and bring you on the show to share your story and give a voice around Pride Month and what it actually means to you and the Q plus community and just see where the conversation goes. So that's why we're here today. Yeah, and I'm excited to get into that conversation. Yes, me too. So let's just dive in because, you know, there's so much surrounding the the month, um, you know, Pride Month. And I just want to start with a very basic question of what does pride mean to you? Hmm. It's hard. I It's definitely a moment um, to check in. I, you know, in I think 2020 taught us a lot about like unpacking and unlearning. And so I think pride every every year brings that up for me again, that like it really all started with like black trans people in, in the queer community who for the longest time um, didn't have a place in the queer community. And here we are celebrating pride every single year because of their efforts. And so I have to have like a moment to check in, um, but, you know, in all actuality, it's a celebration, right? So like celebrating all lot, like all, all month long, finding excuses to um, to stay out all night with your friends. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, for me, it, it's it's a month of joy and a month, a month of gratitude and and truly just celebration for myself and my peers. And and th- that includes, you know, allies as well too. I, I, I'm very keen on, knowing like where my circle, like my circle of influence. And, you know, if I ever feel like have an inkling of not feeling safe with a specific individual, I know that it, like I have to remove myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I feel like I've built this like really solid group of people around me and like second family mm-hmm. um, where I can celebrate pride with. So that, I mean, that's kind of it for me in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So like um, taking it even further past just this month, you know, living in that place of pride every single day. How do you show up like that with pride? Yeah. Um, in the, in the world of coming out of COVID, it it looks different, but, um, I actually had the opportunity to be in New York city, uh, world pride travels every year. And the year that I happened to had just moved to New York City, um, world pride was there. And so for me, it was just like walking outside every day. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's making sure that I I support, you know, queer owned businesses. It's um, developing like what my, um, my like queerness is as well. Um, reading books, um, like watching television. Um, there's lots of great documentaries out as well. So I, I, there's a flip side to that too, where like, I don't want to spend the whole month, just the month of June supporting, you know, like I want it to be a bit more year round, but I think there, it's really nice to emphasize it. And it's really nice to highlight it when, you know, when it's needed. Absolutely. Well, I think that's like what the beauty is like of having a month that it's purely dedicated to pride, but then the conversation 
and the, you know, the realizations and the, the different, cause the conversation sparks something within people and like, that's what carries on. And I think like, that's, what's so important about creating a space to have this conversation. So it's not just in the month of June, but it can right. continue on. So you had said something about like, you have like kind of created this like safe space um, for yourself within like relationships and like almost like a second family and like really understanding like who is, you know, on your side has got your back that you trust, you know, how long did it take to create that? Because I'd imagine that that sense of belonging, like not having a, a, like not feeling like people belong, like that can feel so unsafe and unsettling. So like being able to create that now must feel amazing. So like, how long did that take? Yeah, I, I feel like for me, it was, it was fate. Um, I spent, uh, I came out at the age of like 16, 17. So I came out my, um, or probably 17, my senior year of high school, I spent the year out and living proudly and authentically into who I was. And shortly thereafter, I went to college and I was in a dance program with a lot of gay men who had a bit more expression than I did. And it pushed the boundary for me to like also explore like what my feminine side might look like or even my masculine side, because I spent a lot of my youth um, being told to present masculine. Mm-hmm. And so I was really excited to like part ways with that and and explore like what what my gender expression looked like for me because it's different depending on the person. Um, and there I found like a really really great group of people who like are so close to my heart. But we we lived together for four years and um, yeah I don't know like obviously we were in a very rigorous program just like training all the time. But in between that like we it, it's like that same college story of like. I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a rebel. And I'm going to make the mistakes that I need to make. And so that's what, that's what, like what my college experience looked like. That's like my immediate circle is the people that I met, you know, when, when I was like thinking about top three things that I like love and I love to talk about family comes up, you know, to mind, but I, I wouldn't say that it just considers like blood family for me. It, that, that truly is, I consider them family and, and brothers and sisters um, just because of like who they were when I was battling who who I was. Yeah. And like when you, what I, what I'm hearing in what you just said is like, when you see other people just like living authentically as themselves and you see that it like kind of gives you that permission to be like, Oh, like I can express that part of me as well. So what was it like, you know, being 16, 17 senior in high school and coming out? What was that experience like? Well, actually I didn't really choose I chose to come out to like my friends, but I didn't choose to come out to my family. My mom had actually kind of forced me out <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> yeah. um, which I love. I love my mom to death. I mean, she is like queen of pride. Mama Tam just like loves um, all things queerness. And I was in her room and I guess I had like fallen asleep on her bed and she, my phone was open and there was a boy messaging me. And so she, she saw that. And I went to school the next day and she had actually called me and said, Hey, can you come home? And because she just like needed to get it off her chest that she had, you know, looked at my phone and she's like, I know. And I was like, I denied it. I was like, no, I don't know what you saw. It didn't like, you didn't see anything. And I denied it until later that day. Like I just, even though she had proof that I, you know, was experiencing this, this like romantic thing uh, with another uh, boy at the time. I just couldn't bring myself to accept it for me. And I think I, I immediately felt 
a sense of relief mm-hmm. in that moment that I like the burden was off of me. Like it, the cat was already out of the bag. So I was, <laughs> I was straight chilling. And then do you know that uh, at the time, I think there was like ask me forums where you could like ask a question mm-hmm. um, on your social media and then you could post it. And it was mostly like on Twitter, Instagram wasn't really around at the time. And I would get so many requests being like, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you gay? And I would just constantly have to defend it for whatever reason. And I remember finally, I was like, I, after I'd come out to my mom, I just responded yes. And so that was like my, it like blew up and people loved it. But that was my way of just, I tried to make it as easy as possible for myself. And I don't, I don't really know like when I felt ready. I think I just kind of jumped the gun and um, it all happened by chance. And that's what, that's a beautiful thing about, you know, everybody's coming out story. It's, it's like entirely unique and you know part of me was forced out and then part of me chose to tout myself as well yeah so like when you were in that experience like what emotions were coming up like the reason why you were like not accepting it or you didn't want to admit it to your mom at first like i i was raised in like a religious household and so i remember you know the church that i had gone to hearing comments and i and i knew from a very early age right like i like my earliest memories are me like flirting with boys on the playground and, and that feeling that would come up for me. And mm-hmm. I remember like constantly having to like deny it for myself. And honestly, I forgot your question. So I think we need <laughs> no, to No, I like keep going. <laughs> I know whatever you, wherever you were going with that, just keep flowing with it. It was just, I was asking about the emotions. You were saying that you knew it at a very early age. Yeah. And so the emotion was just that like, TV film and television, it constantly tells you that like being queer and being gay is like, or being like homosexual even is all about sex and like drugs and like all these like nasty things. And it has nothing to do with like any of what my peers were experiencing. And so I remember constantly feeling like shame and then, you know, things would come up for me where I'd remember things that like my parents would say to me in passing, right? Like there's a there's a gay couple walking by us as a family and they'd make comments like, oh, why are, you know, mm-hmm. why are they holding hands? And so I constantly am having to like suppress these things because I don't want, I wouldn't want them to talk to talk about me like that. And so th- I think it really was a lot of shame. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what's like, why I think this conversation is so important is so we can be so aware of the language that we use because we don't realize that it can have such an impact on someone. And like shame is one of those really insidious emotions that makes us think that there's something wrong with us. And I I say this about everything. It's like the only thing that's wrong with us is we think there's something wrong. Like nothing has gone wrong, but to your point, society, media, like the way that we have been conditioned as a, as a collective is we're like, well, it's black or white. It's like this or that. And the the reason why I think, I mean, looking at, you know, the pride month and the rainbow and the flag and everything that it represents is like, it's not, we can't be in black and white binary thinking anymore. And we never should have been in that. Like there is so much more. And that's why I think like the rainbow is such a beautiful representation because it hits on all these different areas of what it actually means. And, you know, I think like being able to recognize in our, in ourselves you know, the unconscious bias of that black or white thinking, it's like, you're either this or this. It's like, no, that does not work. And it never had. And the suffering that so many people have had to endure silently is just, it's unacceptable at this point. Absolutely. 
I would say, you know, now like looking at where we are, like the, you know, looking at the younger generation, there is definitely like, I feel like a beacon of light because there has been so much that has changed even since you, you were in high school. Yeah. I, I think of hope, you know, I, I, I have a lot of hope and I'm seeing, you know, even lots of data and reports coming out about how this next generation are choosing to like push the binary a little bit, um, mm -hmm. which is exactly, you're right. Like that, that's where we should have been mm -hmm. um, because that, that a lot of my shame stemmed from that, mm -hmm. you know, like I wanted to spend time dressing up in my mother's clothes in my mother's clothing and express um, again, you know, my feminine side and, and that, I couldn't do because of the shame that was carried with it. And I hope to, I, you know, being in the space with children, being a dance educator and a dance teacher, and also having a large family, I have 20 nieces and nephews. And so like, they're all at very formative um, ages. And so I'm constantly in conversation with um, my siblings and, and just letting them know that we have to, we have to actively push back. Mm -hmm. Right. Like those comments about, oh, he's he's going to be a lady killer and like things mm -hmm. like that, like that. It just doesn't help. And I get that they're innocent and they're totally unconscious, but um, unconscious. But yeah, I mean, they do so much harm because, like I said, I a lot of that shame is carried from commentary that I carry with me even now. OK, going back off back off of like the the language that we use and like the unconscious bias and how it still impacts you today. What, you know, what are some things that you have noticed now since, I mean, you came out, I mean, how many years ago? And I, it almost feels like you almost have to, like, it's, I, it doesn't sound like coming out is like a one-time thing, thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're constantly having to come out in different situations, right? So <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like it's like this one-time event. Like anytime you're introducing yourself to a new person, a group of people. Um, so what is that experience like? Because I'm sure like you still kind of carry a little bit of that with you. So how do you work with that emotion of shame and like transmuted into something really powerful instead of letting it hold you back um, from being your authentic self? Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still a very terrifying thing. Um, and I think it, this goes for anything, but the more that you continue to like put yourself in those uncomfortable situations and, and to challenge yourself, the easier it gets, mm -hmm. um, you know, to actively, to make that choice to come out. I recently had a friend of mine um, come out for the third time. And, and this is a, a little bit different, right? Like my experience is coming out to different people multiple times and their experience was coming out to the world um, first as um, gay, mm -hmm. um, second as um, non-binary, and then third as trans. And so they spent their entire, you know, learning. And, um, you know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of times it, with queer youth, they're ripped of their, um, their like childhood um, experience. You know, a lot of people who, um, are in heterosexual re relationships can spend the time um, in their youth like exploring that and a lot of queer individuals don't get the time to experience that until they're able to come out um, and a lot of that happens you know after you leave your home like 18 years old like that's when you really start to like experience who you are and so there's that too right like I, I, I spend a lot of time still coming out to strangers like and that's still like I get like choked up um, 
because I'm worried about how they're going to react. Mm. Um, but the more that I, you know, the more that I do it, the more just I'm prepared, you know, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm fully in my body. I know who I am. Um, and I also don't, I don't have anything to prove to this person. I only have things to share. And, and that is exactly, you know, who I am. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I mean, even just being able to like, know, embrace that discomfort and like over time, hopefully that that doesn't even exist anymore because it just can be such a normal conversation to have that it's just like, yeah, this is my boyfriend or this is, you know, and instead of just having this like choked up feeling, being able to just let it be normal because it is. And the more that we can like really hone in on that, I think, you know, the better this world will be. Yeah. I, I actually had, um, one of my sisters when I, um, my first boyfriend in college, she was coming to visit me and and it was my first time that like my family and like my nieces and nephews would meet like a significant other of mine. And she just, she just said it like, it wasn't, it wasn't this like big coming out thing. It wasn't this large conversation. She just said, Hey, like we're, we're on our way to meet your uncle's boyfriend. And that was that. And, and there was so, like, I sat there and I, I think I like teared up a little bit just because I, you know, hate being a spectacle and it doesn't have to be that. And, and it, it makes me feel like it, it, that there's that belonging, right? Like I, I'm not like this like shiny object that always has to stick out. And yeah. And so it was a really be like, I don't even think she realizes it to this day, but that moment always stands out to me as to like how we continue to normalize um, queerness in, in this world. Yeah. And I, that like gave me the chills as you told that story, because it's like something that is seems so small, just like a quick little like, yeah, we're going to go see an uncle and a boyfriend. But like what that actually means to you, it's like on such a bigger scale. And it's like just imagining that multiplied just does like it gives me this like feeling of of hope um, and just unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Because really, I mean, at the end of the day, like that's what it's all about is like unconditional love for ourselves and unconditional love for the community and just allowing people to be exactly who they want to be. And it's just like so ironic because everyone's just like kind of walking around like wearing masks in a way, <laughs> you know, like just wearing yeah. a mask. And I, this is just kind of a thought that I just had, but I think that because you know, when you really embrace who you are and I would say like the Q plus community fully embraces that intimidates people. And typically when people are intimidated, that's when they're like becomes that separation. And if anything, it's like the representation of like what we all can be is like taking off our mask and just allowing ourselves to be authentic, unapologetically, authentically ourselves. And I think that that is something that really stands out to me when mm-hmm. I think about pride and pride month. So, you know, when we talk about like radical self-love and radical self-acceptance, I feel like that is a really big theme when it comes to this topic, but just like general in life, like this is what I talk about all the time with my clients, but particularly when we're talking about um, celebrating pride month, how do you, you know, show, or how do you express radical self-love and self-acceptance for yourself? Oh, I'm so bad at it. So like, I feel bad answering this, <laughs> this question, but I, I mean, I'll answer it truthfully. Um, I'm like in a really, really happy relationship and there there's, um, 
I've always had like issues with affection and and public displays of affection. And so um, for me, it's like celebrating love. Like I, like I already said, I love to talk about love and I love to talk about my dog. And then that's been a, a really big awakening for me. And then during the month of pride, like it is, it is um, amplified, mm-hmm. you know, like, like my queerness just like really comes out, whether, whether it's like in my vernacular, it's in the things that I say, it's like the clubs that I'm dancing in, it's the clothes that I'm wearing, right? Like I am a firm believer that clothing does not have a gender, right? So I'm constantly having to remind people of that and, and continue to push that boundary as well. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what it would be mm, for me. Yeah. That. Well, it's so funny that you said that because it just made me think of when we were at the studio and you were like, what shirt should I get? And I literally, I thought you were talking about the, like the one that would have been for guys. Right. And it mm-hmm. wasn't, you were talking about the the crop top. And I was like, my brain automatically went to that. And like, just by you, like being like, no, this one, I was like, like it literally made me like check myself and be like why mm-hmm. did I just assume that it was the guy tank top when like why right. wouldn't he want the other one like why does it have to be gender specific of tank mm-hmm. top and that just again shows you that unconscious bias that like lives within us and all of the conditioning that we've experienced our life and just those little moments like that sparked something within me and made me like go you know question and go into that place of unlearning again because yeah. there is so much to unlearn and so that's why I'm just so grateful for those interactions because while some people will be like well that was awkward in my mind I was like whoa like that just opened up a part of my brain that like has been like so closed off and I think those moments are so powerful yeah and it doesn't have to be you know this like I, um, I'm sure you've already talked about this, but like that, um, there's like victim tears, you know, like you start to feel bad about those, those incidents and then you cry. Like, it doesn't need to be that either. Right. It's like a quick, like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, like check it. Yes. Like, let me, let me tap into where I'm at right now. And, and also it's not like, it's your responsibility. What, um, you know, what you take away from that, but it's not, Truly, I, I really don't think it's anybody's fault, you know, when when their when their mind does take them to that place. Because again, we talked about it. Like the media has created these like biases for us, and unfortunately, that will continue to battle that until that representation starts to shift a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Where like clothes are not labeled as like men and women all the time. And I get it, you know, I I have a hard time shopping because I have really broad shoulders. So like, you got to cater to what you got to <laughs> cater to. Um, but when we make it a spectacle, that's when things start to, um, we start to take a few steps back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And I think it's important is like, yeah, like the feeling guilty doesn't, it's useless. Like that cycle of being like, oh no. And then like feeling bad and like victim tears, like that's not, that's not productive, but it's like, you only know so much. And then when you know something different, that's when you have an opportunity to like learn and and do better. And that's like, the work that I feel like I'm constantly in is being like, oh, let's question this. And something like a, a gift that I have been given is just this thought of questioning everything. Like I'm like, before I really like take something on as my own, I just want to question and I want to examine and I want to look at it in a way and see if it really aligns with who I am as a person. And that process has, you know, it's been transformative. It's uncomfortable because things that you think you've known turn out to not be an actual truth of yours. And it's actually very like liberating and freeing. 
So I want to ask, I mean, I really want to like, you know, talk about that, like internal homophobia, like people that might not even realize it. How, how do you approach that? Like, have you, have you had interactions with someone that you can tell and like, what is your experience with that? Yeah, I'd actually, I use, um, I would use my boyfriend, Tyler, when I met him shortly after, you know, he came out. And so I, I think he had a lot of unlearning to do as well and had a lot of internal homophobia just like instilled mm-hmm. in him. And and I don't, it, we spent, we were a quarantine couple. And so we spent a a lot of time together, probably six months before, you know, COVID was a thing. And so then we spent that entire time um, just like getting to know each other. And what we realized in that moment is that we both had a lot to unpack. And um, my two best friends were also living with us at the time. And they're both like two very strong uh, gay men Um, that are very vocal and we all have opinions and I just remember sitting at the dinner table every night like we'd have dinner and play cards every night and drink like eight bottles of wine between the four of us Mm -hmm. and we would get in heated we would get in really heated conversations and it always you know if anyone ever left um something unfinished it, it always came to a conclusion you know like we never left things unsaid um and I remember we you know a common thing in in the queer community is uh, this idea of like open relationships and that I, you know, I have a lot of friends of mine who are in open relationships and uh, marriages that have been, you know, they've been together for 20 plus years. So clearly something's working right. Like clearly they've got the communication and like, I just remember like there was like two of us on one side and two of us on the other and we're like bantering back and forth. And then my mother's chiming in. Um, and that there's like that internal homophobia of like, we're now we're excluding a member of our own community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're not certain of it. And, and who are we to make that choice? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of internal homophobia, yes, for yourself, but also within the community. I mean, there's a lot of um, spaces that don't, and have not allowed, you know, Black queer people in it for the longest time. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I'm still figuring out how to navigate what that looks like. Um, The community itself, I I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place of intersections and celebrations. But within itself, there's a lot of work to do Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And it is, it always starts on such a, like, uh, interpersonal, like you, like, starts internally first. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about like the language to use around, around this topic, because you, you interchange, like you use queerness and like other people use Q plus, like what, what is the, I don't want to say right, but like the appropriate language to use when having this conversation? I think that's such a good question. I think it varies depending on who you ask. Like uh, speaking from my own experience, what I say is let me know. Clearly, I want to be called by my name, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want you to use my pronouns and I want to respect yours. And so, you know, how are we going to navigate this conversation together? And so I always just take a leap. You know what I mean? Like I want to say what I need to say. And again, as you you said um, in your experience with me talking about the shirts, like if I ever need to check in, with myself after I've said something that like me, you know, questioning that is never a bad thing. You know, I'd rather have that than me be ignorantly, you know, flying through this world saying whatever I wanted to say and not looking behind. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so I, for me, it's easy, it's easiest to say queer because I think it encompasses a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I I don't love to say gay if it's talking about like a general, um, you know, because people identify as trans and, and bisexual, mm-hmm. and so they obviously don't identify as gay. Um, mm-hmm. And queerness is like it's 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 a it's a thing, like it's a feeling, and um, for me, like it it just encompasses everything, and so that's why I choose to say it. Um, but the acronym, I mean. Nobody wants to sit there and <laughs> like, spell it out. I missed something. <laughs> yeah, like, and also, I really don't want to mess this up. Like, I, um, I already have like a, um, a lisp, and so it's hard for me to, like, I just think about the challenge of me catching up to the acronym, and I'm, I'm good. Queer yeah. works for me. Queer works for me. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah, even myself, I'm like, it's, it is, you know, I love that the acronym is growing. I think that that is another beautiful representation of that binary. It's like not black or white. Like it is like, it's all encompassing. So I think that it's beautiful, but um, I'm glad that we were able to bring that up because I am so curious about like what I don't, I hate using right or wrong because it's not right or wrong. It really is up to the person of like what they feel the most comfortable with. And so yeah. you, um, cause I keep hearing Q plus, which like is, feels like that is like everything in the acronym and then some, so like that feels really good. And then obviously for you, like representing queerness, like that is like you said, it's like a feeling, it's a vibe. So like, that's what resonates the most with you. Yeah. And the, and the plus obviously being indicative of the fact that it, it's, um, constantly, evolving right we're, we're learning we're growing and so we make space for that we make space for the unknown um within that you know plus at the end of the acronym definitely so i want to circle back to what you said about being a black queer man because i want to know what that experience is like for you because it just seems like it's like again that compounding effect of like finding that place where you belong and like what that experiences like on a daily basis yeah i mean when i when i break it up being black in a predominantly white community um has its challenges already mm-hmm. um so i i you know i already identified to this you know marginalized community mm-hmm. and then you add my homosexuality on top of that and then i feel uh largely excluded and that's like like i said that's where you start to like find like find that sphere of influence and you find that second family because I think I, even before this, I'm like scrolling through Instagram and um, Aloe Yoga had posted their pride campaign is just so beautiful and it's so Mm -hmm. raw and touching. And, and they posted a photo of, um, I believe like Lululemon says ambassadors and they have ambassador influencers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they posted a couple, this Yogi and their partner like kissing and the comments, I was blown away. Like I, the homophobia in that, in those comments were, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And so it, it's for me, I I'm walking into this world and I feel very privileged to have like such a safe community. And then I see something like that where I'm like, Oh my gosh, you really, mm-hmm. you so strongly believe that. And I have to, I have to remind myself that I do hold privilege to have um, such an incredible community because I don't, I know that a lot of people do not have that for themselves. Um, and a lot of queer youth don't have that right now. Um, and that's why I, I think representation matters. I, I have to walk into this world being authentically myself so that in hopes that, you know, someone can see me living in, in my skin and, and inspire them to start doing the same. Well, and I think like you created that for yourself, right? Like 
just to be an example of what's possible because when other, when, when others look to you and like, because you are a dance teacher and like you have students like look following your lead, they can see that, you know, reflected because it really is about support. It really is about like who you surround yourself with because like that feeling of belonging, you know, there's a huge difference between fitting in and that's like going against your true authentic self because you want to be liked and then belonging, which really, when I think of belonging, it's just like belonging to yourself and not, and you can bring that belonging into any interaction that you have. And by doing that, you give people permission to just belong and be who they are. And like, that's kind of been my mission with what I do um, with silver lining wellness is because I also felt like I didn't have, like, I always felt like an outsider in my life, no matter who I was surrounded by. And I really just realized because I was trying to mold into all these different things around me, all these different groups and people. And I like lost touch with who I really was. And I was like, because our society is not really focused on that. Our society is about fitting in, is about being liked because we have this fear of rejection. We have this fear of getting kicked out of the tribe. And if, you know, our primitive brain thinks if we get kicked out of the tribe, we won't survive. And Mm -hmm. for the Q plus community, a lot like that, that feels very true. And you had posted something the other day about like how important this month is because there are still people out there that thinks they were better off not here because of that. And like, that's what we have to shift because everybody belongs and like being able to like be exactly who you are and really step into that gives so many other people that, that power as well. Yeah. And then in going back to, I think where we started too, that's what pride's really about, mm-hmm. right? Like that check-in and, and I, I, I would, I just want to be that like beacon that like welcomes anybody in with, with open arms, even I like, and as I'm saying that I, I can recall specific instances where I like had internal homophobia within the, the queer community and I excluded people. And like, I, I definitely feel great, like shame because of that. But I also know like, like I'm, I'm better off now and, and that I learned from it. And it, that, that, that's just like the world that we live in, right? Like I, I never want to stop learning. And, and if we're going to be in a, in a world that's constantly evolving and constantly changing, I need to be doing the same too. Yeah. And like we grow and evolve with it by, I think having these conversations and just being able to hold that space. So the last thing I want to touch on is, you know, what it means to truly be an ally. Like I, I personally kind of started discovering the true like anti-racism ally work last year when I had like a big eye-opening experience and have been kind of understanding more and more what that truly means. And I kind of feel like we're, you know, it really takes a certain person to truly be an ally and everyone else is just kind of like allies in training or like in that space of like wanting to learn or understand. And it doesn't matter where you are on that journey. Just the fact that you even like want to understand it, I think is so important because that's the first step. So what does it mean to you to truly have, because it sounds like you have tons of allies and people that are like truly like have your back and love and support you. So what does it mean to you to um, be an ally? Yeah, I, this came came up in conversation just the other night. And I I think of people like my sister, right. Who continued to, to normalize it. And and it wasn't performative, (laughs) right. Like it was, it was a very clear, uh, simple action that had a very large impact. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be this like, gatekeeper of saying that performative action shouldn't be a thing because I think you do at least take something out of performative action, right? right. Like it's better than nothing. So who am right. I to say you can't? Yeah, I don't know. I, there, there's been lots of conversation in NDEI spaces um, around whether shifting uh, the word ally to accomplice or like advocate or something like that. And I... I don't know, ally has just become, uh, the value isn't there as much as like maybe advocacy is, mm-hmm. right? Like ally is an easy word. Everybody gets it. They know what it is. And so it, it holds space for that reason. But it's so much more than I think the service level definition of, you know, what people make it out to be. And I think in the world that we're in today, an ally is someone who uses their privilege to to challenge things and and take the risk um, and step in where needed and and I don't feel I, and I and I'm thinking of the allies that I have in mind and I I they're not performative right like they're not out here on the streets with like signs and but they're people who in day to day interactions will step up and and say something and create safe spaces for people who need them. And so I, I'm, I'm like, it's a feeling it's per, like, I don't like, to me, there are certainly like action items, right? Like you can make a list of like how, how to practice being an ally, but I really think it shows up. It shows up in your day-to-day interactions, right? Like taking those risks and challenging those norms. You know, I think at some point in our lives, we all experience some sort of like racism and homophobia and what we do in those instances um, shape, you know, who we are moving forward. I, just recently um the other day had a woman like reach for my hair and asked if I had a perm and then continued to tell me that I was a trendsetter and that everybody has my hair now and in that moment I was like damn like I really want I really want to unpack this but I also knew I wasn't the person to do like it's not my responsibility so I just stepped back um but I think in that moment like if there um if there was someone that like truly identified as like an ally nearby, like they could have stepped in um, if I couldn't. And, and I know that I, I am the same person for someone else when that, that is not happening to me. Like there has been instances where I, I clearly see a microaggression is happening to a peer of mine or even a stranger. And I have to step in and just, and pause and, and make sure that that person feels safe. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's the first and, you know, efficacy is like the first and foremost um, making sure that that person is okay and then and then we can start to to challenge the um perpetrator yeah yeah well i mean that makes so much sense because i really think it is safety like because that's that's where it all stems is like feeling safe and being feeling safe to express who who you are so i think that that's what really resonates the most with me with thinking of being an ally is creating that safe space and like stepping up using your privilege your voice for someone that doesn't necessarily feel safe to use their own yeah oh, amazing Ugh. yeah oh you're such a joy i just love chatting with you this has been such a great conversation do you have anything else that you want to share uh, before we wrap up no, I just, um, if you haven't taken Britney's spin class, this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why I invited you on the show to give me a little promo. <laughs> no, it, it's like, I, it's unbelievable. It's, it's so good. And, and I'm just so happy. Um, you seem happy and, and to be able to, to step in at 6am, like there's just something about like, not to shift the conversation about spin here, but like, 
I'm, I'm actually laughing because Tyler was like, well, what are you guys going to talk about in this like podcast? And he's like, well, you love spin. And I was like, I don't like love spin enough to talk about it. And here I am. Talking about, <laughs> talking about kind of <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, truly like those 6 AMs, um, if I could start every day like that, I, I absolutely would. Mm, well, yeah. I mean, it's always, it's like, I'm such a small piece of it. It's really the people that are there. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's so interesting. Cause I feel like there's just these key players, individuals that are in class. So, and I know that they're there, the class is going to be next level. And every time that you're there, that is the exact feeling that I have, mm. but that's because, and just like bringing it back to this conversation is because you really do show up authentically as yourself. And I know it's probably taken a lot to get to that place and the experiences that you have and you're constantly growing and evolving and allowing that to shine even more. But like, that's exactly how I see you. And I think that that is just like, you know, it's a, a beautiful representation of this month and like what's possible for the younger generations and like just, you know, our future and like going back to that word hope and that feeling of hope. It's like, I really do feel that way because of individuals like you, like kind of just like stepping into your power. And it's just, it's amazing. And I'm just so mm. grateful that the universe brings people like you into my life. Yeah. And same, like I, I, I will never forget the day that I met you and, and every time in every interaction is such a treat. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. So if someone like, let's say someone's listening and they were moved or inspired by what you've shared and they want to reach out to you, um, where would be the best place to find you? I'd probably say Instagram. Yeah. I'm constantly getting slapped on the hand for just keeping up with my friends' lives. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> constantly on so there. Instagram. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I will, I will share your Instagram in the show notes. All right. My last question for you. And I love to ask this because I think this is like, you know, our secret sauce. If I was to interview your friends and family and ask them what your superpower was or is not was what your superpower is, what do you think they would say? Oh my gosh. I would say intuition, Ooh. intuition. Like uh, there's always like, I'm always like maybe one to two steps ahead. And like, maybe it's just because I'm so like I'm always um, checking in and like maybe reading into things too much, but um, I definitely would say, I feel like that's what they would say about me. Yeah. Intuitive. Yeah. I, yes, that's, that's amazing. That's a, quite the superpower to have. Um, and I think like when you have that superpower, it's a sign that you're really uh, connected to your authentic self. So just mm, so good. All right, my friend, thank you so, so much for your time. I appreciate you. This is such a great conversation. Thank you for sharing your voice, sharing your story. I think just by you being able to be in this space is going to truly impact someone on a, in a big, big way. Oh, I am just so grateful for the community that I am a part of and the amazing people that I have met like Daquan through that. It's truly so special as you get older to connect with like-minded people. And even though you might have different backgrounds, just connecting on a higher vibrational level is everything. And it's just so fun. I'm just beaming over here. I love having these types of conversations and I'm just grateful that Daquan felt safe to share his story with you and me and just 
be able to normalize this conversation and celebrate all of the goodness that Pride Month has to offer. So if you got something from this episode, I would love to hear from you. If you have a story and you want your voice to be heard, send me a message. I want to hear from you. I love connecting with you. In fact, I have my new favorite way of connecting with you is through text message. I have been sending out weekly, sometimes daily love notes, reminders, just little messages that I often need to hear. And I check in with myself. I'm like, chances are someone else probably needs to hear this as well. So I send these little love notes. Um, An example of one that I sent the other day was just a reminder that you're still valuable, even if you're not achieving, earning money, or being busy. Your value comes from who you are, not what you do. Um, So I send those little messages. And I love connecting with you on that level because you can receive the text message and you can also reply back and we can chat about whatever the message is. Or if you like need something, just send me a message. If you're like, I need a resource. Like I have a treasure trove of resources and tools. So you can always text me and I will text you back. So if you want to get in on the love notes, send me a text message to 480-462-6781. All you have to do is opt in. It's an automated message at first, but then everything else comes directly from me. You want to save me to your phone book so you get all my messages. And yeah, that's it. So come come on in. Join. Join the community. Let's get in the conversation. I love hearing from you. All right, my friend. That's all that I have for you. So until next time, remember to love yourself. Own your happiness and let your light shine because you're so worthy of it, my friend. Until next time.